Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. Thank you, Pastor Cody. Praise the Lord, everybody. Isn't it great to be in the house of the Lord? I want to say what an amazing time we had on Friday night. We couldn't have been more blessed. Power of God and the, the guest singers and the guest ministry and just the move of the Lord that came in this place. Three were filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and we need to thank God for that. What a powerful, powerful touch of God. People came from so many of the states and different parts of our own state, ministers and guests. We felt so loved, and my heart is full. Um, we want, at this time, and you may be seated, we would like, um, what a great, great crowd this morning. Uh, we have, we would like Brother Sister McDonald to come and my wife. And uh, today, we're just going to talk about family and one of the most balanced, balanced couples that I've, I've ever, ever seen in families are the McDonald's, and uh, Cindy, if you want to sit right here, and Sister McDonald, you sit right there on the couch, and, and the Reverend can sit on the other side, and, um, but I thought it'd be great just to have a, a time of real talk and a discussion about family, um, uh, Cindy and I travel uh, uh, quite a bit, and over the years, before we, before we moved to Zanesville, Cindy and I evangelized, and we were in 40-plus churches a year and, and, and different camps and conferences. We meet a lot of great ministries and, uh, and a lot of bad ones. <laughs> We've met some amazing families, and, um, and in those families that we would ask, uh, how did you do it? Um, what did you do? And there were churches we went to, and we took notes. If we ever pastor, this is what we're going to do. We also had a this is what we're not going to do list. <laughs> How many know what I'm talking about? Meeting people and 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 things. And so we when we when we moved to Zanesville, we started applying the things that we saw that worked. Um, everything from youth services to outreach and and on and on. Uh, but one of the things that I'll never forget uh, when I found a family that their their children are serving the Lord. And uh, in the ministry, their children are all living for God. I would, I would ask them, what did you do? How did you do this? And I remember um, uh, Steve and Pat Wilson were our guest ministers here for uh, coming in for Bishop and Sister Ferris's um, 20th anniversary. And uh, I asked them, I said, uh, we took them out to eat, picked them up from the airport, and we were new parents. And I said, tell us, how did you do it? You have amazing kids, even though I'd never met them. I'd heard about them. And uh, is this amazing family. And I said, how did you do this? And, and I'll never forget something he said. He said, we created an environment in our home to where our kids' friends could come to our house. Because you never know what happens when your kids go to somebody else's house. Most chaotic things in families happen at somebody else's house. And uh, James Hughes taught this. And from that day forward, we made a decision that our kids wouldn't do sleepovers uh, before, I mean, when they were just born, 
that. They wouldn't go to other people's houses and stay all night. They would stay at our house, and friends could come to our house. And so we try to create an environment. And that sounds so strict in, in our culture, but we're so glad that we did. And so today, uh, amazing is that years later, is that Steve and Pat Wilson's daughter and her husband and their three kids have come some, become some of our most uh, uh, closest friends. And right here is their daughter. Would you give her a hand and welcome her today? What they said worked. And, and through quizzing, we met them as Bible quiz families. And this amazing family with these amazing kids. And come to find out that this council that we'd received had come full circle. And this is a couple that we vacation with and their kids. And we just love them very much. And we're so honored. I think you need to give them another hand of appreciation. They have impacted us. Um, and so... A lot of the advice that we've parented with through the years uh, have come from that moment with her parents. And so, uh, so glad, of course, to have my wife here today. And, and, uh, but we do. We try to create a safe environment for our children. Cindy, what do you think? Well, um, he asked, he, we were just talking this week about some of the things maybe we would share, not any specific topic, but just a little bit on different things. And, one thing I feel like we learned early on, and I'm thankful, uh, something I would share would be, we have taught our children um, from, from the time they were little, we've taught them they're not the best. They're not, they're not gonna be the best singer. They're not the best piano player. They're not the, gonna be the best Bible quizzer. They're not gonna be the best in their school classes, and we don't expect them to be. There's always someone that will do something better and um, we just expect them to be, do their best. And I feel like um, just uh, a killer with, with children is when parents can sometimes unknowingly put too much pressure on their children to be the best. They don't have to be the best. They just need to do their best. And I think we also do a disservice to them when we tell them they're the best. It's okay to tell them you do your best and there may be somebody else that does it better, but that's okay because God gives us all different gifts and it's so much pressure to put on them to tell them they have to be the best. And it, again, it's just a disservice to tell them, you do that better than anybody else. It's okay to encourage them. It's okay to compliment them. And it's okay for us as parents to think our kids are the best, but we can't constantly reaffirm that in our children. You're better than any, You're the, because it's gonna create this mindset of comparison and comparison kills. And they don't, and they also need to be able to celebrate with someone else that does it better than them. And so we've tried to really implement that in our children. Um, we don't want to create any jealousies or comparisons. Just tell them to do their very best and give it their all and, and give it to God and, and just, um, you know, celebrate with others if they do it better. I've learned that comparison is the thief of joy. It really is, and, and children with social media are almost always going to be robbed of their joy. And I think there's a lot of link to social media and suicide now because children feel like they're never good enough. They always see something better. How do you counter that? If, if like my wife was saying, if we teach our children that they are the best, they're going to they're gonna become insecure. And when somebody does better than them, they cannot be happy for them because they see what they're not. 
instead of being happy for somebody that does better. Do you get that? But if you teach children to be their best, it fuels confidence and can be grateful for somebody else that does better than them. So if you teach them to be the best, it, 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 it grows insecurities. If you teach them to be their best, it, it brings confidence uh, to them. And uh, that, that, I believe that's our role. And sometimes we can make a kid feel not good enough because we're teaching them to be the best when God requires them to be their best. Every single one of us are going to stand before God. And he's not going to compare you to somebody else in your category. You know what he's going to do? He's going to compare you. I gave you this talent. What did you do with it? Five talents, two talents, one talent. And if we have a two-talent kid and we make him feel like they have to be the five-talent kid, we're in trouble. And I think it's okay to say to your child, you know, well, uh, I don't think that's your gifting. Somebody's got to be honest with somebody. And uh, just don't think you're called to sing. I've never heard you hit a note. I've been to places where they couldn't sing, but mom and daddy told them they could, and they were convinced they could. Nobody, everybody in the building knew they couldn't. And somebody would say something like, man, I wish somebody would have told them. That's, that's the parent's job is to be honest. And uh, my wife's middle name is Honest. And she's been so honest with our kids over the years, but it's allowed them to have some level of confidence and, uh, for that. But we're so thankful uh, for Pastor John McDonald and... And Sister Stephanie McDonald. And over life, and I know you've had to make choices, and you've seen things that worked and haven't worked. And uh, what I do know is whatever you've done has worked. And both of their parents are absolutely amazing people. There is such a tenacity about them and purity. But uh, what would you share with us today, Pastor? Uh, first off, I just want to say what an incredible privilege it is of ours to be with you and to speak a few words about family and uh, raising kids. From the get-go, I'm a two-talent man, so you just work real hard and try to make up the difference. Talking about kids, uh, children, uh, in a room this size, obviously there are many children that have strayed from the Lord. All it takes is one prayer for them to come back home. And there are many promises that it's going to happen to natural Israel, and I believe it's going to happen to spiritual Israel. Before the coming of the Lord, the north, the south, the east, and the west is going to say, give up, and your children are going to return home. And I'm standing with you and believing you. So uh, often in these settings, you look at, some other people that we put on pinnacles as if they did something right and you did something wrong. That's always a trick of the enemy. <clears throat> he always meets us where we're at and he tries to make us better. Uh, four points I would make quickly about the home and that is the world is so broken, number one. Uh, the church has to set the standard in the right way to do things. One of our greatest preachers that has ever been in United Pentecostal Church, Brother Wayne Huntley. I've heard him tell the story. His daddy was an alcoholic, and his pastor gave his mother a key to the church. And when dad would come home in a stupor and in a rage, she would slip out the door with 
Brother Wayne and his brother, and they would go to the church and they'd find a place of refuge. And I thank God that church is a refuge. Our homes are meant to be a place of refuge. It needs to be the safe zone <clears throat> in life. Uh, kids go through storms just like parents go through storms. Some of the biggest storms that they'll go through is rejection, change, and uh, also failure. When they get a bad grade, when they miss out on something, they drop the ball, those are huge things for life, and you want to be the place where they come and open up to. If they don't feel like your house is a safe place from the storm. Obviously, they're going to turn to their friends in places where they possibly won't get the right input. So as parents, we're never too busy. No meeting, no date, nothing is more important than your children and your family, especially when they come in and have been through a recent storm in life. The number two purpose of the family would be a launching pad for ministry. There's an incredible scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 15. It says, I beseech you, brethren, you know the house of Stephanus, that it is the first fruits of Achaia, and that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. So the first converts of Greece were from the house of Stephanus. And some of our greatest moments in life is when we do ministry together. I think that's the purpose of the family, that we can put our strengths together, harness our energy together, and work together in ministry. There is absolutely no greater joy than when we do that together. Uh, the best thing I feel like, in a nutshell, that I can do for my kids is to love their mother, love God, and love the work of God. If I were to put it in order, obviously it's love God, love their mother, love the work of God. A man by the name of Obed-Edom in the Bible, the Bible says that when the Ark of the Covenant got to his house, I don't want to take too much time here, and the Bible said the entire house was blessed. His crops were blessed, his cattle were blessed, his children was blessed. Because he had the Ark of the Covenant. But if you push rewind a couple verses, the Bible says that the Ark of the Covenant was at a place called Kerith Jerem, and it was there for many years. But it doesn't say there's any blessing upon that house. <clears throat> doesn't talk about their fields or their crop or their animal being blessed. So the difference <clears throat> is not the Ark of the Covenant. <clears throat> the difference <clears throat> is their understanding and response to the Ark of the Covenant. I want my kids to know they are so blessed to be exposed to the Spirit of God. This is the most blessed life in the world. And we are so fortunate to serve people. People are not a pain. People are not an inconvenience. This is the greatest blessing in life, helping other people. <clears throat> And when you read Obed-Edom's story, he addicted himself to the Ark of the Covenant. He sold his farm, traveled to Jerusalem, and he did whatever he could do to get close to the Ark. Bible says he became a harp player, he became a worshiper, and he became a doorkeeper. And would you know, 
that 62 of his sons and grandsons are mentioned as being part of that great kingdom service. They saw their granddaddy, they saw their dad love the things of God. You being faithful to 10 o'clock on a Sunday morning, I cannot emphasize what a signal and what a value you are transmitting to your kids that will forever have an impact upon them. Uh, seeing your daily routine of prayer and etc. So it's very, very important. Number three, the family in the house is a place to play. And I did not say pray, I said play. And I believe in prayer. But you need to schedule fun time. And I want to say a great big shout out to their mama because their mama is more fun than I am. I am boring. I do the same thing every single day. But I can laugh along with them. But a family is supposed to have fun together. Now, next week, we're going to spend a few days with the Bounds. We're going up to D.C. We've never been. It's going to be the best week of our life. And we're so excited that the Bounds could go. I'm just making a point here. But if the bounds couldn't go, we would still have a great time as a family. If nobody could go, we love being with, with each other. Load up in the car, and we're going to laugh all the way there. We're going to tell stories. We're going to act like little kids. And that's what God wants for your family. Life is too short not to talk. I talk to some people, and they get offended, and they don't talk for a decade. No, we're believers. We're Christians. Bury that stuff. Put it at the foot of the cross. Life is too short. Don't die an old bitter person alone. Your greatest treasure is your family. Fight for it. Develop it. Work it. And so it's a place where we play together, enjoy life together, have fun together. And then the family is the learning center for life. The basic skills of life is supposed to be learned at the family, not social media, certainly not in the educational system, but it's around home, how you relate to people, character, values. Here's, here's the goal. Growing up, you want to teach parents, uh, parents want to teach that you got to have had parent control. You have to learn what yes means and no means, and one of the best words you can teach your child is no. You don't have to have a toy or a treat every time you go to the store. No is still a good word. So you have to learn parental control. Then that has to morph into self-control. They've got to learn to say no when they're teenagers all by themselves and no one else is around. But self-control is not the ultimate control uh, uh, goal. The ultimate goal is God control that they would hear the voice of God, that their conscience would be tender toward the things of God. And all these things happen in the context of, of the home. And so it's such a privilege to have children. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 2 um, has been a, a verse of our family. Uh, my wife has spoken about this. I hope I'm not taking her material. Always still in her notes. So when you hear it from her, just get real excited about it. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 2, okay? Really, folks, this is, this is a life verse that I promise you will change your life. I promise you. If you have it in your Bible, highlight it. And the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God, 
for our good always. Every commandment, every statute of the Bible, every directive is for our good. Aren't you glad we serve a king like that? Aren't you glad we serve a heavenly father like that? I'll conclude with this, and I know I talked a lot longer than anyone else. They say that uh, 50% of uh, marriages end in divorce, but that's not completely true. You can make statistics say whatever you want to say. Allow me to read my notes here. Harvard University did a study in marriages where they were married in a Christian ceremony and they go to church every week, they read the Bible and they pray together, the divorce rate is one out of 1,105 marriages. Doing it God's way really is the best way in the world. Sister McDonald. Well, now that y'all have said all of my notes, y'all didn't leave me anything to say. No, I do want to say first, it's an incredible honor to be with you guys and to celebrate this monumental event with you church family. Um, you have, the Bounds are some of my family's favorite people in all of the world, and I tell that everywhere. So it's an honor to be here with you, and um, you guys really need look no further for family instruction, home instruction, parenting instruction than your pastoral family. When, when you can raise children who love God, love the work of God, love their parents, honor their parents, love the kingdom of God and the people of God, then what more could you ask for in life? I mean, I don't know what we could add to that. It's incredible. Um, but be, speaking of parenting, and you guys have almost covered this, but the number one thing that we thought you should do first in parenting is to decide what kind of child you plan to raise. You don't go into parenting blindly with, without a plan. You figure out what kind of child you want to raise or grow in your home. And then if, you know, like if you want your child to turn out exactly like you did, then I guess you just do the same thing your parents or guardians did. But if you think there's areas that could be improved in your life, whether it's attitude or work ethic or discipline or whatever, um, confidence level, then you'll set a different goal. And you'll uh, look at someone else that's been successful at raising the kind of kids that you want to raise. And I just add right here, we don't want to aim low or just hope for the best, you know, but because you get whatever you expect whether it's verbally articulated or not, your kids pick up on your perceptions and what you expect out of them. And we don't want to just hope they make it and hope they stay in church, but we want them to overhear us speaking positive things, not that you're the best at everything in that sort of way, but expectations that you're going to do something great for God. You're going to aim high. If children are like arrows, then let's shoot them high and expect them to do great things for God, that with hard work and discipline and the help of the Lord, there's no limit to what they could accomplish for the kingdom of God. Yes. And when my husband and I would get ready to study for things like this, parenting classes at our home church or whatever, we would look for DVDs, resources, books, online, whatever. 
Um, but then we would always stop and say, but do we really know what kind of kids these so-called experts have raised? I mean, you know, do we really want to take their advice and implement their ideas if we had, we don't even know how for sure how their kids turned out. And so once you've decided what kind of children and home you want to have, then you find a recipe that will produce that goal. I don't just walk into the kitchen and start pulling out all my favorite ingredients for something. I was like, ooh, I love soy sauce. Ooh, I love Nutella too. Or ooh, you know, I love tomatoes. And I just throw it all together and hope for the best. No, I decide what I want to make and then I find an established recipe that will produce what I want to make, the right ingredients. And it's the same with raising kids. You can't just pick up any random parenting technique you find online or, you know, uh, what you read about in a magazine or what's popular in our culture at the moment. No, or, or even what some unsaved friend would suggest. We have to make a plan, set a goal, and be intentional. I've seen young moms in our church that follow all these people online, and there's cool moms and parents on social media, and they do this, so I'm going to try it. And they look like they have a Pinterest perfect family from all of their perfect pictures, you know, so I'm going to follow them, and they're trying this. And then years later, when they have broken homes, and their kids are a mess, and their kids aren't, can't hold down a job or keep responsibility, can't stay faithful in a relationship, they realize they've been following the wrong one. They, have, they should have been following the Word of God and the principles of the Word of God. Right. If you were trying to raise a professional chef or, say, an Olympic athlete, then all of your decisions, your activities, even your conversations in your home would all tilt in that direction, right? If you were raising a concert pianist, for instance, and you were getting ready for big performances, you wouldn't let them do anything crazy that could potentially damage their hands or their fingers, right? You wouldn't say, oh, let's go out and practice learning how to use a hammer and nails today on the day of a big concert. No, it's not that using a hammer and nails is bad, but as my husband has always said in parenting our children, and they can all quote it now, they know what I'm gonna say right now, it might be lawful, but it's not expedient. Meaning, might not send you to hell, but it's not going to take you in the direction that we want to go in life. And so, meaning, you know, for a concert pianist, learning to hammer is not going to send them to hell, but it's not worth dabbling with. And so, when we decided we wanted to raise apostolic warriors, we want to raise kids that are apostolic in doctrine, in lifestyle, in demonstration, then we looked for a recipe for that from someone else that had been successful in doing that, like Brother Bounds said, and everything in our life tilts in that direction. Every decision that arises, we ask, does this activity, does this friendship, does this habit take you in the direction that we're aiming, or could it lead you in a different direction altogether? And all of our decisions, your conversations, our activities center towards the goal. Everything we throw into the mix of parenting, every circumstance that comes up in life, whether it's a hurt, a betrayal, we use that as an opportunity to teach biblical principles and stay on the path that we, we have planned. Even when you're exhausted, you're frustrated, you're done wrong, you're on vacation, we're still going to be apostolic because that's the goal. And secondly, we as parents, we can't let our kids' potential in God and what God wants to do through them, be limited by our lack of vision. Oh, God. The Bible says that Moses' mom 
saw that he was a goodly child. That's the wording it uses there. Saw that he was a goodly child. Have you ever wondered what, what that might mean? What does it mean to see something in your children? I believe she saw through the eyes of spirit, the hand of God on that boy, and she saw the enemy's plan to take him out. And she did, the Bible says, what no other mom did. She took her child and she hid him because she saw that he was a goodly child and the hand of God was upon him. And so she did what no other mom in Egypt did. She refused to be an average mom and do just what the rest of the world is doing. And you know what? Because she refused to be an average mom and just do what the rest of the culture was doing. The Bible says when Moses grew up, he refused to be called the son of an Egyptian. Yes. Because he had a mom that refused to do what every other mom was doing. God help us not take our cues from the world. The world is, what the world is doing is it does not work. We don't have time to, it, to have the world's goals in mind. Your children don't have to grow up to be dysfunctional and on drugs and hate the church. No, we, ha we have to be sensitive to the spirit regarding our children and the call of God on their lives and pray over them. When your children were in the womb, God placed gifts in them for the kingdom. He placed callings on them. And I want us as parents to be sensitive and prayerful and say, God, let me see what you've called them to do. Let me protect that anointing. Let me protect that calling, whatever I've got to do to hide them. And so I think that's the best gift we could give for our children is pray for them every day. Amen. Praise God. She did what no other mother was doing. And I think that if we're not careful, we're so afraid that our children won't fit in that we end up modeling after what everybody in the community is doing. But our kids are not of this world. They're in the world, but they're not of the world. The statement that it takes, the statement that I hear from most I guess most school superintendents, almost every graduation I go to, they say it's a village to raise a kid. I just don't believe that. I don't want the village raising my kid. I want the word of the Lord training up my child. Amen. I want the word of the Lord. I want to do it God's way. Some of the best things that will ever happen to your children is going to, is being around people and they realize I'm different than them. They should feel they're different than them. They should feel separated from them. Instead of being the parent, oh, I don't want them to stand out. I don't want them to not fit in. I don't want them to be made fun of. I don't want people around them. They look different, act different, talk different. That ought to be the goal. And the kid realized, I'm not better than them, but I am what God has called me to be. It's okay to be different. Holiness is a part of who we are. Come out from the world and be as separate, say the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. Well, I don't want my child to feel isolated. It's okay. It's okay. We look different. We act different. We are a peculiar people. That doesn't mean strange. It means special. Our children are special. Honey, what would you add uh, to this? What would you say? Wow, this has been so wonderful, everything they've said. And um, maybe just the, what she ended with prayer I think just teaching the children that there is it's busy these days are busy it's we're busier than we've ever been right it's 
it's different even than when we were being raised up. There's just something going on every night of the week. And I think that it's easy to get, because we want our kids to be in everything. We don't want them to miss out. And it's, it's our job as parents to prioritize what needs to be first. And if there's prayer meeting at the church, well, then that's going to trump uh, the plans they made with their friends or whatever. And it's our job to to encourage that rather than saying, I can't believe they've, they've called another night. We've got to be the positive reinforcers of, of the things of God. And also, I would say to teach our children and each other, our parents, as parents, we need to realize this, um, be give grace to others. Um, other families aren't going to train their kids up the same way your families do, and um, and we're just different. And we need to teach our children to have grace with others. And we try to teach them something I tell them often is that what we're guilty of is we, we judge other people by their actions, but we judge ourselves by our intentions. And that's, uh, we need to think about that. You know, we think, well, our children, we know what our children's intentions are. Or we know what our intentions are. And so we have grace with them, but then we don't know someone else's intentions. So we judge them by their actions and that's not fair. Uh, we don't always know what their intentions are. We only see the result of their actions. So if we would have grace with our own selves because we know what our intentions are, we should assume their intentions were, were different as well as what than rather than what the outcome was by their actions. So just teach your children and, uh, and with each other of, of assuming, you know what, I bet they didn't mean it that way. I bet their intentions were better than that, and it just didn't work out because sometimes our th plans don't work out, and we know what our intentions are, so we should assume the best from other people, and it will teach your children to have grace with other people instead of always being frustrated with other people and assume that other people mean the best because most of them do. They do mean the best, and we love all of you. And thank you all for being so gracious with, with our children as well. Um, and and all, we try to do the same with you. At the end of the day, we're all just, just human, and we're doing our best. And we're going to make mistakes. You're going to make mistakes. Our kids are going to make mistakes. Your kids are going to make mistakes. But we just got to love each other. Got to love each other. And, man, God's got great things for our families, all of our families. Is there anything that you would add, Pastor? I believe that our, our children, I call them kids, I apologize, that's goats. Children can do so much more than we, our culture uh, uh, expects out of them. A hundred years ago, uh, when you were 12, 13, 14 years old, you were expected to do a man's work. Uh, in the Bible, bar mitzvah, bat mitzvah for the boys and girls, the daddy would lay his hands upon the boy at 13 uh, and say, I'm no longer responsible for the decisions you make. You are a man that stands between God and they could transact business. They could buy land at 13. Often it's been said that a teenager is not a word in the Bible. And our culture has created that. I think sitting on our pews right here are absolute world changers today. Spiritually, physically, they can do it. They can get it done. And we expect them to do that. We expect them to do great things. And I think that's very, very important. Um, just little things on a practical level. My, my father-in-law uh, has a great saying. He says this, my kids never got in trouble when they were with me. And I think 
the greatest thing you can do is in, intentionally invest your time with your children. Uh, another practical deal kind of goes along those same lines is at a restaurant when he had all of his kids together, if they would sit with him at his table, he would pay for the bill. They could invite all their friends as well, but if they sat with their friends, they had to pay their own bill because he was, he was gathering them all in. It's, it's, about, it's about keeping your family together. You know how you spell love? T-I-M-E. Time is the greatest thing. You can't buy them nice gifts. They need you. Going back to responsibility, this is the last thing. God was <clears throat> the perfect parent. He raised Adam and Eve in a paradise, a perfect place. No devil, no social media. And they still made some wrong choices. I want to relieve everybody of guilt and shame today. Just You just say, God, I want to grow from this day forward. I haven't done everything right, but I can't go back and undo it. But from this day forward, it's day one. It's a new start. And with each generation, I'm going to do my best to apply the principles of God's word. Thank you for sharing your wisdom and, and, and your heart. These, again, I mean, they're some of the most amazing people. But like you said, spending time with your family. Uh, we live in a culture that is the thief of time. It's taken all of our time, and uh, we need to be together. I would say vacation with your family. I'm going to. You might as well. Take time to be with your family. Um, one one, one nugget that I received several years ago was from someone that attends this church, Ron Apperson, and he was in his 80s, he's 87 now, but he said, he said, Aaron, when I met him years ago, he said, you don't remember every day, he said, you won't remember every meal, you're not going to remember uh, all the times with your wife and your kids, he said, you're only going to remember moments, he said, make sure you create those moments. Create moments that you'll remember. And if you reflect over your life, what moments do you remember? A lot of times it's a vacation. It was a getaway. It was something special at the house. It was a special moment. Make a big deal out of big, of great moments. And I want to say, before we move forward, thank you for making a big deal out of this weekend. You were here Friday, and we're celebrating today. And tonight's going to be a big party. We went, Amen. We're excited about it for all those that registered. Amen. God bless you. Won't we give them another hand of appreciation? Let's all stand and thank them for sharing their wisdom. Praise God. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.